all language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a medical droid to help and heal human beings. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. Won't you join us? Yeah, join us here in the back of the tank. David and I are swimming, frolicking in the water just I'm a little bit. A, I'm having one of those tree people from that planet, Mike, actually servicing me. Oh, Dave. Too many splinters. That's a spoiler, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so today we're going to start our discussion on Marvel's first Star Wars maxi series of comics that spans three eras. Of Star Wars storytelling, four months, eight issues, and each month is going to pair or has paired and will pair a hero story with a villain story. Two sides of a coin. I love what they're doing with it. I love the idea and the concept of almost like opposing philosophies. You have the good side, the dark side. What would a good sider do? What would a bad sider do? And I just made up those terminologies, good siders and bad siders, and I'm going to stick with it, Dave. It was a mistake. I meant to say light side <laughs> light and dark, side, dark side, side, but I'm going to go with it. But you know what? It works. Uh, honestly, this series is panning out really well. It's smart. It's, it's smart. a smart marketing. It does beg the question as to where this is all going. As we know, the Star Wars High-end media is all connected to the bigger story of Star Wars. Uh, and this story actually strengthens ideas, ideas that yeah. we had been speculating about and what Lucasfilm and the Lucasfilm Story Group had been toying with throughout the year of 2017 leading into Last Jedi. But since Last Jedi's premiere, those ideas that we're going to get into kind of been allowed to kind of fall away but then here we are a year later with the very first issue age of the republic qui-gon gen one shot number one and suddenly we're bringing the i should say lucasfilm is bringing back a certain set of thought when it comes to the jedi way now this series is written by jody hauser and focuses on iconic villains and dual themes too so Age of Republic, Qui-Gon Jinn number one is the issue we're going to be talking about. Qui-Gon Jinn number one is the first issue of the comic book anthology series, Star Wars Age of the Republic. All the issues was, I'm sorry, the issue was written by Jody Hauser and illustrated by Corey Smith and published on December 5th, 2018. So we're a little behind, but we will catch up. The holiday season kind of threw a wrench in some of our plans, but we will catch up and we do have plans to cover all Four months of these issues. Now, this specific issue is set before the events of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. The comic features the story balance, which follows Qui-Gon Jinn as he questions his role as a as a Jedi Master. Jedi Order 
or chaos considered one of the greatest Jedi Knights or the one who led them to their doom. Maverick Qui-Gon Jinn is one of Star Wars' most controversial heroes. He's always been seen as kind of like this harbinger. Harbinger is a much, Harbinger Dave is a much better way to categorize Qui-Gon Jinn. Considered the greatest Jedi Knight or the one who led them to their doom for what? For wanting to find balance in the force? Yeah. For questioning the the very ideals of the Jedi Council? If anything, he was trying to find a better way. That's something we're going to dissect and break down because that plays a big part in this issue. And I, I was surprised. I was a bit hesitant when I started reading this comic book because it felt very ambitious for a one-shot anthology series that was essentially one and done. When I sat down to read this, it, I just felt I wasn't very excited at first because because of it being a one shot and only roughly 24 pages. And I thought, what type of story of relevance are we going to be able to to glean from such a short story of 24 pages or less? And Dave, I was wrong. This was a super fantastic read. It was. Uh, firstly, it's it's never a bad decision to go with Qui-Gon Jinn. Let's, let's just be honest. He's an underrated character that has been grossly neglected and grossly underused. Uh, he was such a great addition to the Star Wars universe back in 1999. And they used his purest ideals that was introduced in The Phantom Menace to create cracks within the Jedi ideology in this comic book. This issue actually strengthens and brings us back to 2017, Dave, when everything was leading toward a new direction within the Star Wars franchise. If you remember, that's something we spoke about continually leading up to The Last Jedi, the bigger picture. What are they trying to say about the Jedi? Yes. Uh, and all of this was to strengthen the notion that the Jedi were so easily manipulated because of poor decisions they had made. The Mace Windu Marvel series that you and I had covered for our Patreon pledgers covered this exact thought as well. And it challenged the viewpoint of the Jedi. And not only that, it challenged the viewpoint of what people, their their idea of what makes you a Jedi Knight. Because yes. the the one thing that I really enjoyed about it was like, just like what you said, it posed philosophical questions of how the Jedi Order is viewed in Phantom Menace. But not only that, it poses the question of what we as the audience and as the fans think a Jedi a Jedi Knight is. And and not just us, but in a very meta way. All, they use the audience, or I'm sorry, not the audience, they use the characters within this story in a very meta way. In a very meta way. And it worked because the viewpoint of this alien queen that wanted the Jedi to fight for her because they're great warriors. You're supposed to be great warriors. It's a way that a lot of people have started to view the Jedi and the Jedi are not warriors. I mean, Yoda said that way back in empire strikes back. War does not make one great. One great. Yeah. And we had theorized about a lot of these decisions they were making uh, when it came to the Jedi and how they were kind of cracking open the the questions that nobody wanted to answer because we didn't want to question the Jedi and and uh, so many 
of us as as in American culture has been led to believe that there's only one way to tell a story. And not wrong necessarily, but you typically you have good and bad. But where's the gray area? It doesn't fit in these types of stories, just good and bad. Yeah. But now as we progress as as a society, Dave, and when it comes to our entertainment, we are a little bit more intelligent and we need more. We need more substance. And the way they're filling in those blanks with more substance is by showing us that it isn't just black and white. There is gray. There's these questions. And, and we had theorized that much of these decisions were due in part to the information that the Lucasfilm story group might have been privy to. Building up a theme that would be fleshed out or expanded on in The Last Jedi. Yes. And as it turns out, during 2017, when we had, when we were pounding our chest and saying we're right, we ended up being correct. The Lucasfilm Story Group was, in fact, purposely working toward that thought. We saw it in The Last Jedi. It didn't come out as much as possibly they had planned originally. It wasn't delivered well. It, right. It was a little muddled, but the thought was there. Luke did, in fact, use that very excuse as the reason why he felt like the Jedi must end. So they were working towards that. And I, our justification was what, Dave? That the reason why it was muddled was that there was a bigger story moving the universe of Star Wars by way of the expanded universe in that direction. But of course, when you're making a movie, things change. There's rewrites. And sometimes certain things get lost when you're trying to focus on something that's more immediate. Yes. And I think that's what happened because they did have a few lines by way of Luke and the reasons why he was against the Jedi and why he was so angry or bitter about certain things. But now here we are again a year later and within the pages of age Republic writer, Jody Hauser poses some really difficult philosophical questions. And these are questions, Dave, that not only bring the characterization of Qui-Gon in sync with Lucas's original concept for the character. And I'm going to get into that in a second here. But it also takes us down a route, Dave, that we really don't have the opportunity to explore when it comes to Star Wars. No. And the Jedi are a perfect staging ground for philosophical thought. But it's something that Star Wars has never really been known for, philosophy. And yet this episode, or I'm sorry, this issue, Dave, was a bit of an expose on philosophy and the Jedis and the do's and don'ts and... In a lot of ways, like you called you called Qui-Gon Jinn a harbinger, in a lot of ways, they were helping sound that horn, that trumpet, that warning in this issue through Qui-Gon Jinn's questions. Yeah, and the thing that I really liked, too, was the fact that his conversations with Yoda really did make a lot of sense. Like, I... Uh, and both were right in their own way. And both were right in their own way. It's just that... Qui-Gon was coming from a different point of view than Yoda. And I think Boom. the choice, the choice of using Yoda. Give yourself a cookie for that <laughs> use of uh, a certain point of view. A certain point of view. Because you're exactly right. That's exactly what they were working with. And and that's why I was like saying the, the, the choice of Jody Hauser to use the character of Yoda was really the best thing that they could have done was because... Yoda to me is the one character that always is that philosophical character that will pose all, you know, the, the quirky sayings and quirky teachings. And for him to show like 
This is my perspective. This is how I view it. It's not saying he, and the cool thing was he's not saying Qui-Gon's wrong. Qui-Gon, Yoda even says, it's great that you question these things, but also maintain the fact that there's another perspective here also. And that's the problem right now during this time of the, of the star Wars history in episode one, it's a time of great conflict because yeah, the confusion, confusion and misdirection, Mm -hmm. we don't know where it's all coming from. And Yoda basically says that there's always darkness. And I'm like going, it's cool that basically they, they actually show that the two opposing sides, they're not pointing down at each other saying, no, you're wrong. I'm right. Because that's what the, the one character is used for though. The, the queen, the queen of the, the trees. I can't remember her name. I think it's mirror or something. And that's, that's what that character is there for. Yeah. Yoda is there for to to question the Jedi way of thinking, and what does it make to be? What does it mean to be a Jedi Knight? Yeah, are you are we supposed to be the guardians of the guardians of quote, quote, the guardians of the galaxy, <laughs> or are we are we supposed to be more than that? And that's what I really dug the conversation between him and Qui Gon because. It tackled a thing that really does irritate me with a lot of Star Wars fans where they think, oh, the Jedi Order is this way. It's a bunch of like lightsabers and and martial arts and flippy stuff. Well, that's a part of it as well. And that is a part of it, but that's not what makes a Jedi Knight. Yeah, it's not what the Jedi are. That's not what they are. Yeah. And that's uh, a very big strength to this issue as well, is that they're kind of bringing it back and resetting for some people who may have gotten confused or they have lost, they may have lost the, the entire point of the Jedi. And they did this by just kind of strengthening an idea that was already started way back in before 1999. Uh, Some of us might remember that when Phantom Menace was being promoted, I specifically remember this, Qui-Gon Jinn and all the promotional material was described as a rogue Jedi with ideals that conflicted with a Jedi council. Yes. And we saw a bit of that with his refusal to listen to the council when it came to Skywalker's training. But much of that part of him was lost within the bigger story. You hear Obi-Wan say a few things saying if you didn't defy the council, you would be on the council master. But we didn't see much more than that because yes. the story was about Anakin for the most part. And, and it setting was the up Skywalker the relationship, story. Right. And setting up the relationship between Obi-Wan Skywalker. So this issue focuses on Qui-Gon's deep issues he has with the council. These issues manifested itself in in different ways as well Uh, he questioned why the council resided on coruscant and how it looks to the rest of the galaxy it looks like they are simply weapons of the republic and that's not what they are supposed to be he questioned their political affiliations and said that it was against the ways of the force Uh, but where where all of this gets really interesting really interesting is when Qui-Gon left Coruscant to explore these thoughts and meditate of his, and, and he wanted to go to a place that was more exclusive, more private, more intimate. 
And by way of the force, the force guided him to a mysterious planet that appeared to be made up of the living force, a planet where he was confronted by the dark side of the force as well as the, the good side, the light. And he came to a very simple conclusion. And I thought it was very telling. The conclusion was that balance was the answer. Yes. Balance. Something that is directly tied not only to the new sequel trilogy, but something that the prequels were heavily built on. So we see how Qui-Gon might have been on the right track when he stumbled upon Anakin Skywalker. He was searching. Not necessarily for Skywalker, but he was searching for what? For balance. And Anakin, Anakin was a gift wrapped with a bow that he could possibly be that prophecy of the one that would bring, bring balance, balance to, to the, the force. force. Now, if they find a way to Palpatine to have manipulated that entire situation, it becomes that, that much better. I mean, obviously, we know that Palpatine, they have now, they have now unretconned the explanation of how Anakin Skywalker was conceived in the recent, what, Vader issues, correct? Yes. And he is, again, a product of Palpatine messing and twisting of the Force. Palpatine's messing and twisting of the Force. But I love the overall philosophical feeling of the story. And it was an intelligent, fun read. How everything worked together. And it didn't feel uh, disjointed from the regular Star Wars story. It felt like this could literally come about a year or a few months before Phantom Menace. And this could be that moment that easily leads Liam Neeson to having more of that open mind so that when he does stumble upon Anakin, it looks to him as if it's an answer to a question yes, he had. He had. And how like, great is that? That is that it's it's a really great way of doing that storytelling. It's a really great way of doing that storytelling of showing, you know, the difference between the way Qui-Gon thinks and the way that the Jedi think. And on top of that, the one thing I wanted to mention, his journey to that planet is very similar to one of the more positive things in Last uh, Last Jedi, if you remember, with Rey go, uh, dealing with the Force and basically finding that darkness within that, that well. And it was very reminiscent of that. And I was like going... The overall story, that's kind of become a uh, a common thing in Star Wars. It, it was also from Empire Strikes Back when yeah. Luke goes into the goes cave. Goes into the cave. Yeah. And it's it's that overall driving force that basically trying to, trying to show within the force, there is always light. And there's always the dark side. You can't have one you without the other. You can't have one without the other. And that's why I really enjoyed that segment of... Uh, him meditating, and then he could he finds something cold and dark. But Qui Gon official cold and dark is fun. <laughs> but sometimes Qui Gon, uh, but like Qui Gon doesn't immediately attack the darkness. No, he goes to actually investigate and see what it is. And when he comes across that gigantic, I want to call it like the a, a gigantic dark side Christmas tree, because that's what it looks like, mm -hmm. and it has that throne automatically I was like, going, you know what? Any other Jedi Knight would probably look at this and attack it because, Oh, it's the dark side. I must fight it. What does Qui-Gon do? Nope. I'm going to just basically sit right on the throne and then I'm going to meditate. He was there for answers. He was there for answers. It shows a, a very inquisitive side of the Jedi that we don't see as much. A yes. side that's, 
a side that's more deeply rooted with the ideals of spirituality and meditation. And it's something that we just don't see as much, especially in the sequel trilogy, mostly in part because we just don't have a bunch of Jedi running around. Yeah. But we can't lose that spiritual feel. That spiritual feel. And that's what this issue did for Star Wars. It brought back the the spirituality of Star Wars. And overall, it just created a story that just felt uh, consistent with what we know of the prequel era and Star Wars moving into the sequel trilogy as well. Uh, the illustrations from Corey Smith were really great. I like the vibrant colors and the well-defined objects. The images were not muddled by action sequences that sometimes confuses the eye, but it was designed in such a way that our eye followed the action fairly easily. Yes. So I even like that aspect as well. So, I mean, my final thoughts in a nutshell, it really strengthened Qui-Gon's introduction and reminded us of his own disconcerted feelings towards the Jedi Order. I felt like there was a lesson here, loyalty to a group or an idea. These are situations that many of us find ourselves in today. Do we maintain our allegiances to a group because of loyalty or tradition, or do we allow ourselves to challenge the very idea of group thought, individualism or group thought. That's why I felt like this story was so strong because it present, it presents the narrative almost like a persuasive essay. It states the problems and it goes about dissecting it. And by the end, it doesn't tell you how you should think or how Qui-Gon should think, but it challenges a set of principles and actions of a group. Yeah, and those principles are much harder than you can actually achieve because that that's the whole point. Yeah. It's difficult to achieve balance. Yeah. It's not easy. Um, Your final thoughts, Dave? My final thoughts, I am 100% behind you on this issue. I really like this issue because it hearkened and strengthened the core tenets of what not just Star Wars is about, but the Jedi, the, the Jedi Order. What we know of the Jedi Order, and my favorite part about this issue was the very end, that last talk with Yoda and Qui-Gon, and Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon uh, ends it by saying, what is the purpose if not balance? And it's basically, that's what the purpose of the Jedi Order is, is to maintain balance. Not Jedis are not totally light side or totally dark side it's about maintaining the balance and maintaining that working relationship and looking at it as kind of like that ecosystem that he saw on the planet where all these things were working together to make this planet peaceful including the dark side and i i i was like you i didn't have a lot of high hopes for this issue. I thought it was series. just going to be a gimmick, right? I thought it was going to be a gimmick, but when you get, when you read Jody Hauser's story, it's like, wow, they're, they're trying to actually give more than just a simple one-off shoot. They're adding substance to what we know. Yes. They're yeah. adding substance to more what we substance. Know. Cause I don't want to say adding substance. Cause that sounds like it was lack lacking substance, but they're just, they're beefing it up. They're beefing it up. And, and not in a bad way. Sometimes when you try to add, you know, something in post. It's a problem with a lot of prequels that I have is that you get these 
these directors or writers that get get it in their head that they're going to flesh out a movie that was already okay and some prequel and it just feels kind of convoluted and and overthought out but with these issues it, it feels consistent like a day that we might have missed from the movie yes and there's a purpose behind them yeah that's why i'm really psyched for the next ones because you have uh darth maul obi-wan uh i believe um Django and uh mace windu and i'm like going i want to see if if they're trying to tell this type of philosophical storytelling i'm really psyched with like the next one, which is Darth Maul. Yeah, and we already read the Darth Maul one, but yes. we're going to talk about that during a Patreon discussion. We're going to continue our discussion throughout the entire run of Age of Republic, but we're going to do it on our Patreon. This one will be available to everybody, but if you want to continue to hear our discussions and breakdowns on Age of Republic, be sure to go to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge $5 or more a month, and you'll gain access to not just those discussions, but countless hours of additional Star Wars breakdowns and reviews on comics, books, episodes of Clone Wars, all types of good stuff. But yes, Dave, they have an entire string of storylines coming out over the next four months. You have the next one, as you had mentioned, is Darth Maul, followed up by Obi-Wan. Django Fett, Anakin Skywalker, Padme. Anakin Skywalker, yeah. Special One, which I don't know what that's about, Count Dooku, and then General Grievous. So we're going to have our work cut out, and if this first issue is does anything to show us what we're in for, then I'm really excited to get into the next few issues over the course of the next four months. So thank you, David, for helping me out in this discussion. And I want to thank everybody else for tuning in. If you miss any part of this broadcast, you can always find us on Stitcher and iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Just search Star Wars from the back to tank. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. May the force be with us. Hello, this is Stormtrooper One. And if you've missed any portion of the show, you can always head over to fromthebacktotank.com and uh, listen to the show at your leisure. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, Smart Radio, Stitcher.com, search, BACTA, and that is to your favorites. Thank you. And uh, listen responsibly. And may the Force be with you. And long live. Thank you for listening to From the Back to Take. And From the Back to Take is executive produced by Michael Flores and Dustin Lucas. Hosted by Michael Flores, David Zabal. You can find out more about our show by going to www.fromthebacktotank.com. You can also find us on Twitter at FromBackToTank, as well as Facebook, facebook.com slash FromTheBackToTank. <laughs>